Good morning. Hey, 40 weeks. 40 weeks. Uh, we, uh, today we're going to complete our 40-week journey uh, through the whole of the Bible. Uh, on the first Sunday of this year, uh, we began by reading these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And today we're going to read these words, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no sea. So guys, we end kind of where we started, right? With God creating something new for His glory and for our joy. Like our story 40 weeks ago began in a garden, and today it ends in a city filled with gardens. It began with a curse, and it ends with the lifting of that curse. It began with the entrance of death into the world, and it ends with death's final exit. The book of Revelation points us both forwards and backwards at the same time. Like in this final book of the Bible, we see the fulfillment of so many themes that have been introduced through this series. So many themes that have been introduced in the Old Testament. In fact, there are Old Testament allusions in just about every verse of the book of Revelation. I mean, the covenant with Abraham, God's plan for true Israel, the throne of the Son of David, the Holy of Holies, now complete and perfected Jerusalem as the gathering place for the nations and the true and better Sabbath. And on and on and on and on. So much fulfillment in this book. And yet, Revelation is the most avoided book by preachers. While at the same time being the most requested book to teach by their congregations. Just tell me how it's all going to end. Like we want to know the answers. But guys, this book is difficult to understand. I mean, there's way more here than meets the, meets the eye. Things are not what they seem. Things are more than they seem. Like Revelation as a book, and this is why many people just never get past chapter 3 of the book. Revelation is filled with imagery. It's filled with symbolism. I mean, even the numbers listed in this book have a deeper meaning than just the sequential ordering of things. I want you to hear this, guys. This is so important. As you read the book of Revelation this week, don't miss the forest for the trees. I mean, there are people who I think maybe well-meaning have written books and lead conferences about all of the trees, all of the details, all of the ins and outs of the mark of the beast and the, the Antichrist and the 144,000 and what does this actually mean? And they compare, you know, the locusts mentioned as a judgment from God to Black Hawk helicopters. I'm sure they mean well, but they're missing the forest for the trees. Here's the forest. The lamb wins. The Lamb wins. Jesus is victorious. Write that message on your heart because you're going to be prone like me to forget it. Revelation, like I said last week, is our victory song. 
Not our swan, swan song. Like for us, this book marks our beginning. Our true beginning, not our end. And so, this week when you open Revelation to read 19 through 22, I want you to start by preparing your heart to see and hear what God wants you to see and hear. I mean, 40 times in the book of Revelation, John says, I saw. And then he tells us what he saw. 32 times he says, I heard. And then he writes what he heard. And then 19 times in this book, we are commanded to see, to look, to behold. Like a great Bible word. It means more than just to observe something. It literally means to pay careful attention to what follows because this is important. Chapter 1, verse 7, we read, Behold, He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. In chapter 1, verse 18, we read, Behold, I am alive forevermore and I hold the keys to death and to, and to Hades. In 3.20 we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And in 4.2 we read, Behold, the throne of God and one sitting upon it. In chapter 5, verse 5, we read, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. And in 7, verse 9, we read, Behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and every tribe and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And then in 14.1, we read, Behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And in chapter 19, verse 11, we read, Behold, a white horse, and he who sits upon it is called Faithful and True. Guys, don't just look. Behold. Behold. Don't just be a spectator. Join in on the action. Like one message, Revelation teaches us that's so clear that the time to be a neutral bystander while a cosmic war wages all around us, that that time is over. You can't be Switzerland. Pick a side. Pick a team. Daryl Johnson writes of this book, he says, the last book of the Bible calls us to radical discipleship, to all-out courageous loyalty to the Lamb in a world that is feverishly worshiping the beast. And we see that every day. J. Ramsey Michael writes that the purpose of preaching from the Revelation is to evoke first wonder and then faithfulness to the slain Lamb. Not to explain the book away or to reduce it to simply a blueprint for the future. The preacher's task is to stand out of the way 
And let the book's images do their work in the heart of God's people. And we saw that just last week as we read chapters 1, 2, and 3 aloud. And I had someone tell me that it was the most powerful sermon they had ever preached. Why? Because it was just the Bible. It was just God's Word. That's what God's Word does. It's that lion that's in a cage that doesn't need to be protected. He just needs to let be let free. And this morning, once again, I want you to prepare your hearts even now. Put away your phones. Put away your devices. Speak, as God speaks to your heart, write down what He's saying to you as I read from Revelation beginning in chapter 20. As I read a book that is supposed to instill not fear, but courage in the hearts of those who love Jesus. Beginning in verse 11, John writes that, Then I saw a great white throne and Him who was seated on it. From His presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and will be his God, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north Three gates on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies foursquare, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height were equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth christophrase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. And its light will, and its light will be the, na- will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring in it to the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter in, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, 
Also, on either side of the river, a tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And He said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the, the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter into the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about the things for the churches. I am the root of and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn, I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, 
God, I pray that your word would accomplish the purpose for which you send it. Just as you promise. We know that it is still alive and active. It's still sharper than a double-edged sword. It still divides the, the attitudes, the intentions, the desires of our heart. It still exposes us to us. It still speaks with power. Your Word, inspired by the Spirit through the prophets and the apostles, Lord, I pray that You would anoint it now and speak powerfully to the hearts of those who have heard it this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, hey, that's a lot. Like, that is a lot to take in, right? I mean, so much. I mean, final judgment, you know, a new heaven and a new earth, eternity, seeing the face of God. Like, we have a lot to take in, but what does it mean? Guys, this is what it all means. It means that the Lamb wins. That's what it means. The Lamb wins. And I know you may be thinking, wait a minute, you already said that. But you already forgot it. And you'll forget it before this sermon is over. You'll forget it before you leave this room. You'll forget it this week when you're watching the news. You'll forget it this week when you're arguing with your spouse when you're having trouble with your kids, when that guy pulls in front of you and flips you off, you will forget it. But the Lamb wins. Guys, write that on your heart. Write it on the mirror in your bathroom. Write it on your wall. Remind yourself, remind your children, remind your spouse every day that Jesus is victorious. But what about, what about the Antichrist? And what about the, you know, the mark of the beast? And what about the, like, the plagues and all that stuff? And what about, like, what about the 144,000? What's up with that? And who are these locusts? Don't worry about that. That's above your pay, pay grade, right? You don't need to worry about that. All you need to know is this. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb who was slain was victorious because He was slain. And with His blood, He purchased men for God from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. He has made them priests unto His God. And He will reign forever and ever. The Lamb wins. Our job is to read this book and just say, I want to be faithful. I want the total allegiance of my heart to go to Christ. That's what revelation means. It also means that God will keep all of His promises. You see, this book is meant to remind us as we see those promises all fulfilled in these last two chapters Like God will keep all of His promises, even the ones we don't want Him to keep. Okay, this book is meant to instill terror in the hearts of the enemies of God as they are reminded this side of judgment that this day is coming. That day that the sky flees from. That day where... Men and women flee to caves in the mountains and cry for the mountains to fall on them to save them from the terrible wrath 
of the Lamb. But this book is meant to instill courage in the hearts of the friends of God by giving them this transcendent portrait of just how God will work all things together for the good of those who love Him and for those who are called according to His purpose. Like right here, this is Romans 8.28 realized. Like all of those great promises in Romans chapter 8, here it is played out in real time for us to see. God keeps all of His promises. God has brought about the final salvation of all who will flee to the Lamb for rescue. God has secured the eternal home of all who will place their faith in the finished work of the Lamb of God on the cross of Christ. This is it. I mean, this is John 3.16 realized, right? Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Well, here it is. Like in that very first sermon 40 weeks ago in this series, we said that God rescues those who flee to Him. He rescues those who trust in Him. That's a theme throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Here is the rescue. In fact, guys, this is all of your favorite Bible verses realized. All the ones you have on t-shirts, bumper stickers on your car, all the ones that make it on a plaque on your wall, all the ones you memorize, all the ones you tell your children, all the ones that the Holy Spirit brings to your memory when you're going through a trial, through a testing this is the realization of all of those favorite Bible verses because this is the Gospel realized. This is the Gospel fulfilled. Like our purchase has been made. Like God has rescued us by the blood of the Lamb. This is the Gospel fulfilled. All suffering will end. We read about it here. Like a loving Father, God Himself is the one who wipes the tears from our eyes. Like all of the pain, everything that has caused you to groan inwardly, anything that has caused you to shed a tear in this world, your Heavenly Father will wipe that away in an instant. Like we read this promise in Isaiah 25, God will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove His people's disgrace from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. On that day, it will be said, look, behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him and He has saved us. Guys, this is that day. Revelation 21 promises that there's going to be some things that are conspicuously absent from heaven. Tears, death, grief, crying, pain. All gone because the curse has been lifted. It's no more. 
Like God says, I am making all things new. Sin will be no more. Along with all the consequences of sin, like guilt and shame and fear and division. Can you even imagine that? Like, I can't even imagine that. Like, I can't even imagine a day where I'm not struggling with something. I can't imagine that. Like, can you imagine even having a really good day without having the thought in the back of your mind, yeah, but what's going to happen tomorrow, right? (laughs) Like, you go to Disney World, and it's wonderful, but you know what? It's a long drive back to Texas, and you know that. Like, that's just how we are, because guys, that's the reality of living in a world under the curse, but the curse is lifted. Imagine who you would be if you never worried if you were never afraid, if you were never self-conscious. I mean, just imagine who you would be if sin had no draw on you. If you had nothing to overcome. If you had nothing to get past. Like, what if you were fully and finally free from everything? All those things that weigh you down. You're fully and finally free to be everything you were created to be. See, we will be in that day set free to bring our best before the throne of God. This is the gospel fulfilled. Guys, we will be home. We will be fully and finally home. The thirst of our heart, the longing that we have that is never satisfied will be fully and finally satisfied. Because we ultimately only groan for two things. One place and one person. To be brought into the presence of God and to be home in His place. And we never, never really experience the true sense of being home in this world. We only get fleeting glimpses of it. Like, During the holidays for me, when all of the kids are gathered under my roof, like all my chicks are home, and I got my wings around them, and everybody's safe, and it's good for that moment, but that moment passes. I just get a glimpse of it. But one day, our Heavenly Father will bring all of His elect home. All the saints home in one house, and He will gather them to Himself. And He will place His wings of protection around us, and we will be safe forever. And at that time, we will see our God. I mean, that's the greatest promise of this entire passage. I mean, it's the longing of the heart of all the psalmists, right? I mean, as you read through the 150 psalms, what do these guys keep going back to again and again? Oh, to dwell just in your tent. God, that's enough. Like, this is the health like of my countenance is to see the face of God. Like, they long to be brought into the presence of God to be able to see Him. In the trials of Job, what did he return to? One day in my flesh, I shall see my God. This is the longing of every heart. And guys, one day, 
what Moses was forbidden to look upon, we won't be able to take our eyes off. Can you even imagine a life with no separation from God? You see, this, what we just read about, this is our true wedding day. You thought the one you had last year, 30 years ago, was awesome? No, no, no. That was a starter wedding. This is your wedding day. Like the very best earthly marriage is but a shadow. But this is the substance. In fact, your marriage in this life is the illustration. This is the reality. This is the actual. Like all your longing for intimacy, for closeness, that you almost had met in, on, on your best of days by your spouse. No, no, no. Fully and finally satisfied when we go to that marriage supper of the Lamb when we see our God. I don't know about you, but for me, I tell you, eternity sounds great, but it's not enough. I want to see the rock of ages. And justice is not enough. I want to see the judge. And peace, peace sounds great. I'm all for it. But peace is not enough. I want to see the Prince of Peace. And I know that God has led me by the pools of living water and that I know that He will grant me goodness and mercy and will follow me all the days of my life. I know I'm His sheep, but I want to see my shepherd. Being made perfect will be awesome but I want to meet and see with my eyes the author and perfecter of my faith. I know that the wolf will lie down with the lamb, but I only have eyes for the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I know heaven is awesome, but it's not enough. I want to see my father. And guys, one day I will. One day I'll see him. And Scripture tells me that in that, that day, I don't care how good your imagination is, it never even touches the hem of the garment for how amazing this day is going to be. I mean, imagine the people who you know who have the best imagination. Your favorite author. He can spin a yarn that just kind of blows your mind. You're, you're just kind of caught up in his story, immersed in it. Oh, that's nothing. He can't even imagine what God has in store for those who love Him. Like that five-year-old child who can play in the backyard for hours with a stick and a rock and be like in other worlds. In other, he can be in a desert one moment and a jungle the next. I don't care how great that imagination is. He could not even imagine how incredible this will be when God lavishes us with kindness because of Christ. Jesus gives us a picture of this when He says to a group of dads, if you guys being evil know how to give good things to your kids, 
Oh, how much more will your heavenly Father? You know, we read this uh, revelation this week, 19 to 22, and we're still left with a lot of questions, but none more pressing than how can I know that this is my eternal destiny? That I will be like in His presence forever and ever and ever. Like how do I get my name written in that Lamb's book of life? Like how do I get some of those clean robes that have been washed and made white? Like how does that even work? Well, we're told in Revelation 7.14, it says that these saints have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You ever try to get blood out of anything? Especially something white. And yet, this blood, the blood that flows from Jesus, from His hands and feet, from that pierced side, from that brow, this blood washes us clean. See, this is the Gospel fulfilled Are you ready? Because the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take water of life without price. Like at the very end of the very last book in the Bible, God gives us one last invitation. It's not too late. I'm not there yet. And I'm not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So believe while you still can. While it's still light. And so now, as as I close in prayer, I want us to prepare our hearts for the coming of our King who may arrive before I say Amen. And I want to I want us to prepare our hearts to encounter His very presence in a unique way as we come to this table of communion. When the first song plays after I pray, I want you to come down and get your communion elements, take them to your seat, and then after this song, I'll come up and we'll take those together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You that uh, because of the amazing, incredible words I can't even think to describe the plan that You and the Father and the Spirit had for our redemption because of that. Lord, in a broken world that is so messed up, we can rest secure because we know that You win. You are victorious, and because of Your blood and Your sacrifice, all Your promises will be kept. Lord Jesus, I pray that You give us a new voice, a greater vocabulary to just be able to capture Your glory and Your beauty and Your power and Your majesty and Your goodness, Your kindness, Your grace toward us because of Christ. Lord, even now as we sing, we want You to receive this as a down payment to what we'll be doing for eternity in Your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
In the last two years, one of the number one questions people have asked me is, what's going on? Like, is this the end? Uh, to which I respond, yes, it is. I mean, Jesus said that when he left, he would be returning, and in his departure, he ushered in the last days. It may be in our lifetime, it may be before the end of this surface. But it's coming. And we just need to be ready for it. I mean, we look at the world as, as it just seems to have taken a left turn and is going just so insane all over the globe. You see riots and anger, people lashing out in places that were once safe and were led by strong governments. And we think, what in the world is going on? We see strife in our own families here in America where people were forced to kind of be in lockdown together and had to face problems that they had been able to avoid by running after fun stuff. So we've had increased divorce, increased issues with, you know, child abuse, all hidden because people are in secret. Is this the end? Like just in Texas with this new uh, law that's been passed that restricts abortion, I read last week that a hundred children a week are being saved in our, in our state. And yet people are furious because Moloch is alive and well and he wants our children. And these ghouls want our streets to run red with the blood of children. It's horrifying. Is this the end? Yes. And if all of this makes you cry out more than you ever have, come Lord Jesus, then it's, it's had its right effect. In Revelation 22.16, Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. This is the last recorded thing we have that Jesus said about himself. This is the last title that he gives himself. Not King of Kings, not Lord of Lords, not even Son of God, but the bright morning star. Why did he choose this title? One writer explained it like this. The morning star appears when the night has reached its greatest degree of darkness. Although it is still dark there for maybe three or four hours until daybreak, when you see the morning star, you know that the night is over. That the night has been defeated. For the morning star pulls the morning in behind it just as certainly as King Jesus pulls the kingdom in behind Him. You see, the morning star announces the arrival of the day and the arrival of the Son of God. And that's actually what communion does. Jesus said that when we come to this table, we are proclaiming the Lord's death, the eternal gospel, His death and resurrection, 
until He comes. And so guys, on the night that He was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And then in the same way after the supper, He said to those 12 Jews who were steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures, who knew what we call the Old Testament, who knew the promises, understood the themes, and began to see just in glimpses what it was all pointing to. He said to them who understood the language of covenant, this cup is the new covenant in My blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. Lord Jesus, thank You for the eternal Gospel. The message that is proclaimed in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy throughout all the writings of the Old Testament into the poetry, into the prophets, major and minor, all through the Gospels, through the writings of Paul and John and James and Peter and into the Revelation, the eternal Gospel that God the Son took on flesh so that He might die as our substitute on the cross bearing the punishment for our sins that He would be buried and on the third day would rise again. Thank You for that message the only message that saves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ and that He will reign forever and ever? As we live in the tension between the already and the not yet, we need to hold on to the fact that we are not victims in this world But we're the victors. We're the ones purchased by Jesus with a message that our neighbors and our friends and our family need to hear while there's time. Anyone who's thirsty, come and drink from the water of life without price. That's unbelievable. That's the good news of the Gospel. If you're here this morning and you're not confident that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, we're going to have some men and women down front who would love to share with you how you can know for sure. God bless you, church. Have a great week.